What's going on, everybody? This is another episode of the Refocus Nutrition Podcast. I am Eric Elliott. I am the owner and founder of Refocus Nutrition, also operating out of CrossFit Mirai here in Chestermere, Alberta. Uh, today, guys, I'd like to talk to you a lot about dieting, what it is, and what is the best reverse diet, what is the best diet, period. Um, but before we do that, I'd like to ask you guys if you enjoy listening to the show, enjoy some of the content that I'm putting out. Um, you either follow me over at uh, on Instagram at I am Eric Elliot, um, or you fill out a nice rating in review for me. Uh, that's going to help grow this podcast to get much larger than it is right now. Uh, get it in front of more listeners that aren't right here, and ultimately, it's going to fulfill my goal of trying to help more people through this platform and educating more people on inside the nutrition industry on how to help themselves, how to feel better, look better, and perform better uh, for the future. With that being said, guys, uh, this is also the time I'd like to ask uh, for you guys to reach out to me and let me know any different topics that you'd like to discuss in the future. Uh, I know there's a tons of different things um, that we could talk about for sure. Like I could, I could make a podcast probably every single day if we needed to, just to talk about uh, nutrition and how to heal a lot of the illnesses um, that is plaguing our world today. So, guys, uh, without further ado, um, we're going to talk about our topic today, which is what kind of diet is best. So uh, this is an interesting question because it's something that I'm sure come January 1st, everyone and their brother is going to type it into Google to figure out how they're going to make 2019 the best year for themselves ever. Uh, It's an interesting question because it's also like extremely loaded. Um, The diet industry is just something that is filled with thousands and thousands of dollars, um, billions of dollars really, to make things intentionally difficult for you to understand so that you're able to accomplish your goals. Um, So guys, one thing we're going to go over today is just how to navigate that and how to make the best decisions for yourself. So to start with guys, I think the, the best place to start with is to go over what kind of diet um, is best for you, but what is a diet to start off with? So starting off with guys, I think that everything, everyone, uh, myself included, came at this with a, a bad intention in mind by not knowing really what a diet is. Uh, we often think of a diet as something that someone is doing um, to achieve a certain result through eating. Um, we often look at it in a, in a negative way. So, you know, you might be out with friends and you order a salad and everyone says like, oh, he can't eat what we're eating because he's on a diet. Well, everyone at that table is on a diet. Diet simply means anything that you actually may be habitually eating. Um, that's a diet. A diet can be literally anything. It can be a McDonald's diet, as we're, we're going to talk about. Um, it can be an all-fat diet, like a keto diet. It can be all carbs. It could be just grass. It could be like... It could be literally anything that is a diet. So I think we need to step away from what a diet is um, and start talking about more of what your lifestyle is when it comes to food and nutrition because that's really what a diet actually essentially ends up being anyways. 
So now that we have that out of the way, um, let's talk about and examine a couple of the different diets that are going on in today's world um, that people are, are really into and find a lot of success about and the ones that I get questions about the most. Um, so let's start off with the first one. This is the one I hear about the most um, and it's probably the one that we're just cycling through in today's industry and we're not going to hear about again um, in maybe two decades. I don't know. Maybe it's the panacea of all obesity. I don't think it is. The research doesn't show that it is. Um, but that is the keto diet, guys. So the ketogenic diet, it's a high fat diet. So if it's if you've seen on Instagram or social media somewhere of your friends posting all these pictures of like them eating just like bacon and eggs and and avocado and all these fatty things and never and looking at a carbohydrate and just like crying, um, that is a ketogenic diet. So a ketogenic diet, guys, is basically it means that. You're eating 70% of your calories from fat, 20% of your calories from protein, and about 10% of your calories from carbohydrate. Um, A lot of keto enthusiasts will also subtract the fiber. We're not going to get crazy going down that rabbit hole right now. Um, But basically what keto dieters will say is that uh, this diet is superior because it makes your brain feel better. You don't have to eat very much. It's a very easy diet to adhere to, um, but what the research shows that it doesn't actually do some of the things that they say it does. Um, so first off, studies actually indicate that keto diets aren't actually that much easier to adhere adhere to if they are at all. So adherence for both low-carb and low-fat diets stands at around 24.4%, so it doesn't actually make it very easy to adhere to. And if you ever looked at what the keto diet actually is, I think you would have a hard time thinking that it would be easy to adhere to. If you so much as look as a look at a potato, you're looking at falling out of ketosis and spending weeks or days on end um, getting back into ketosis. Be- to become fat adapted, truly fat adapted, it can often take um, months weeks to months at a time to actually get into that state of ketosis and get all the benefits that people who are on ketogenic diets actually claim they are getting. Um, basically, what ends up happening, guys, with, keto- with ketosis in a very dumbed-down level physiologically is your body r- runs on glucose, and it needs approximately 130 grams of glucose, so carbohydrate, to run per day. Now, if it runs out of that glucose, or if it doesn't have that amount of glucose in its body, it will revert to stored body fat or adipose tissue and fat to burn and use that as energy. Okay, so that's why a lot of people think that the keto diet is superior because it's essentially burning fat to as fuel to support your activity. So where we're going with that guys is If you run out of that glucose, what you end up producing is ketones and ketones um, are something that it's 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 a survival mechanism that our body has used so that when we run out of food historically and evolutionarily, we would have another subset of energy to rely on. Now, what this keto diet is proving that it's good for in some circumstances is actually is really good at uh, fighting cancer, for example, like cancer cells rely on glucose to multiply and grow 
So when you take away glucose or, and or carbohydrate, what you end up doing is starving the cancer cells and it might actually be a way of treating it. Now that might not be, I mean, don't take that as medical advice. Don't take anything I say as medical advice. Um, but what it can do sometimes is help people who have or are suffering from cancer, but that isn't for every cancer. Um, so that is one thing with the keto diet, guys. Another thing that keto diet really, uh, I, get, I get a lot as a CrossFit coach is people who want to do high performance activity on low carb diets, and it just doesn't make sense, guys. So for CrossFit, CrossFit specifically, you're working in a glycolytic um, energy system. You're using glyc- glycolysis or glucose to fuel your energy. So when you're doing that and you're you're not providing enough glucose in, say, a ketogenic diet, what you're actually doing is making it much harder for your body to pull energy to fuel that workout. Um, so one thing that we they have shown and they they followed they followed studies um, within people who are long distance runners and what they found was that um, a world class vegetarian long distance triathlete suffered significant um, decline in his performance from going to a low carbohydrate diet and when he returned to his former high carbohydrate diet in his performance he noticed that he was he also got you know a, a number of top three finishes and no n equals one like single subject trials and cases is not the best example but guys it does show some evidence that um carbohydrate is needed when it comes to high performance and high intensity performance um, there's a reason if you look around the CrossFit industry, you're noticing uh, a lot of athletes taking carbohydrate shakes uh, using highly branched cyclodextrin. It's something that I implement within my training as well um, and not going high fat, guys. It's just a lot harder to rely on that fat. Another thing that keto diets are good for is someone who is uh, who's experiencing seizures. Again, if you take glucose away from someone that is experiencing seizures, that is something that uh, makes it easier and you're no longer relying on the, that glucose to produce those seizures that ha- might have happened before, okay? Um, so skipping over the ketogenic diet after that, guys, that's the last thing we're going to talk about there. Um, it does have some benefits for people who are long-distance endurance. I say that I say that very loosely. Um, it's very individualistic, and some, some people like it. I mean, some I, I'll admit my parents are both on it. They claim that it's a diet they can follow the easiest, and that's something that they 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 know that they feel mentally better and more alert on it. So, um, if that's something that you really want to go for, as long as it you know is in line with your your goals of performance, sex, and health, I think let's do it. Go for it. Um, and there's times when I would implement it as well within my lifestyle. So I'm not going to shit on it all day and say that there has no application to a ketogenic diet because it definitely does have some. Um, it can definitely improve um, insulin resistance. And for someone who's possibly diabetic, yeah, I think, I think that's a great idea to go on a ketogenic diet. So when it comes to another diet that's got a lot of traction is the high-protein carnivore diet. Um, this one I'm not as crazy about for sure. Uh, again, we're you're basically a high protein carnivore diet if you look at what a macronutrient is on meat 
you are getting zero carbohydrates. So what a, what this is, guys, is basically a high um, a high protein version of the ketogenic diet. So what ends up happening, guys, when you're eating high amounts of protein on a ketogenic diet, which is the carnivore diet, your body will actually preferentially create glucose anyways. So if you are eating too much protein for your caloric intake on a ketogenic diet, aka the carnivore diet, what your body will end up doing is creating, is turning that protein from protein into glucose so that your body can use it as energy through the process of gluconeogenesis so that you're actually using glucose anyways. That's why some people who are on the ketogenic diet and are eating too much protein have a harder time actually getting into so-called ketosis because they're eating too much protein and and their body's actually producing glucose anyway. That's why I say, guys, glucose is the preferential um, energy system, energy fuel for your body because your body will literally find any way physically, physically and physiologically possible to produce it so that you have energy for your body. The other thing with the carnivore diet, guys, because you're getting zero carbohydrates, you're getting zero fiber. Um, so a lot of the times, guys, you can get things that are stuck in your gut um, for months on time and your digestion isn't really good. One thing that's really hard with eating a lot of protein is digestion can often sometimes go, for lack of a better word, through the shitter. Um, so you're having a harder time digesting food and things are getting kind of backed up. Again, for high-performance athletes like a CrossFit athlete, again, something I'm not going to ever do. It just doesn't make sense. There's too many nutrients that we can get from fruits and vegetables that we're not getting from just protein and meat. Okay, So... Moving on to, say, a, car- a high carbo- carbohydrate diet. Uh, what's wrong with that? What's wh- Why wouldn't we go on a har- high carbohydrate diet? Um, basically, that's, you know, that's Western society right there. We are predominantly eating too much carbohydrate. Um, carbohydrates over the last 15 to 20 years have definitely gotten the, the uh, how do I say it, the bottom of the barrel when it comes to what, is ailing society when it, with our nutrition and our, and our health. Um, people are blaming carbs for making them fat when really it's excess carbs and excess refined carbohydrate that's making a lot of the issues worse within our society. It's driving obesity. Um, that, that often is triggered by sugar, which is also, you know, high fructose, corn syrup guys it's also something that is making things a lot worse and is creating a lot and a lot of diseases um that we have to treat and deal with on an ongoing basis but is a hard is a high carbohydrate diet good or bad um the answer is it depends and it all the answer is it's always going to depend so a high carbohydrate diet for like a marathon runner a triathlete as we just talked about um, it might make sense. It might make sense that they are using high carbohydrates for their sport. Um, is their sport something that's going to be long, like produce really good longevity and health for them into their sixties? Probably not. Like, do you really think that triathletes are healthy people heading into their sixties? No. Um, the studies have like shown that over, over and over again, they don't have great longevity. Um, but is the high car- carbohydrate diet for everyone? No, because what about if someone is overweight and they're insulin resistant and, and or diabetic? Um, if you are giving someone 
who is diabetic, high servings of carbohydrate, especially refined carbohydrate, they're not going to be able to handle that. And you're going to put them into an absolute fit, giving them more and more uh, medication just to keep their blood sugars up. Um, that's not a good process to get into. Someone who's on insulin and is concer- considered diabetic should be reducing or and or eliminating all carbohydrate from their diet so that they can eventually treat their insulin and their insulin problem and get off of that in the future. So high carbohydrates diets, they might work for some people at certain times of the year for CrossFit athlete, hint, hint, the open. Uh, that is the time of the year where carbohydrates should be increasing, fats should be decreasing, and protein being the same. The same. Um, you are trying to fuel performance. Carbs are your energy system for more performance and are your biggest reliant energy fuel for workouts and CrossFit. So during this time of year, carbohydrates should be going up for the average CrossFitter. The last diet I kind of wanted to talk about, and there's a lot of other diets on there as well. We could talk all day about them, but this one is one I thought I would just throw in there because I know um, I'm going to get a lot of flack for it and I don't really care. Um, This is the this is the McDonald's diet. Um, can you lose weight on the McDonald's diet? Uh, yeah, you can. Um, people, people think that the McDonald's, McDonald's in particular, is really bad. And yeah, sure it is. Like, there's no doubt about it. Um, would I recommend eating McDonald's every single day of the week and every single day of the year? Absolutely not. Um, the things that are they're cooking with when it comes to like vegetable oils, canola oils, things of that nature are not going to be health promoting. Um, but can you improve your diet on a McDonald's diet? Yes, you can. So if you remember back to uh, the movie and documentary that made this kind of phenomenon famous in Supersize Me, uh, Morgan Spurlock consumed just McDonald's on average for about 30 days and his weight went from 185 to 210. Now, he did not, in that study, um, in that documentary, he did not equate for calories every single day. So what I mean by that is going into uh, that experiment, he didn't monitor his maintenance calories at that point um, and then keep it the same within the study at eating McDonald's. He actually just went into it and ate McDonald's every single meal if he could. And when they asked him if he wanted to supersize, if he wanted to supersize his meal, he most of the time, I think actually there was a requirement that he said yes. So what that ended up meaning was that he was consuming a lot more calories than he would if he was just eating a regular meal at home. Um, the other thing about eating at McDonald's or eating processed foods in general is that they're they're not super satiating. So that means that they're not really filling. It's very easy to overeat calories on McDonald's or other processed foods. So one dietitian, Nairi or Naini Dardarian, uh, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that, if she ever actually listens to this podcast. She's the director for, of, the, of the Center for Nutrition and Performance at Philadelphia's Drexel University. She decided to see if eating McDonald's for an entire month could be a healthy experience. Um, so what she did with her diet was she ate 1,400 calories from McDonald's and 200 calories not from McDonald's. So that means she had two, 200 calories that she could eat at her use, uh, whatever she wanted at home. Or if she was on the road, whatever she wanted. Just couldn't be at McDonald's. 
And what she found over the 30 months was that she gained just one pound. Her blood chemistry remained within normal values, and she experienced basically none of the mood swings that uh, Mr. Morgan Spurlock had experienced before. What she did say, that her cravings were a lot worse. So why would this be? Um, Obviously, as we just talked about, the cravings is not super surprising. Like, she had to basically, like eat a lot less food volume so the amount of food and weight she ate was probably significantly lower than it was when she was eating at home so that's like that's a big thing why cravings would be worse um when sugar content goes up obviously we want more of that so again going back to cravings that's why that's there and then she's also going to be a lot of a lot of her minerals are going to be very deficient you're not getting super um, high nutrients in McDonald's foods, as you can probably imagine. So when you're mineral deficient, that's when you're going to get a lot more um, cravings as well. Um, just the table sugar you're getting from fries probably isn't enough to keep you your salts high enough that your cravings are going to be, you know, normal. But what we did find was she gained just one pound. Um, why? What that likely means is that. Her maintenance calories, she wasn't probably eating much more than 1,600 calories to begin with. Um, It's not a perfect study, but we did demonstrate that by eating just McDonald's, she could actually maintain her weight. And that, that one pound that she gained might not actually even be a pound of fat. Like if, if she wanted to do more body composition analysis, I'd be very interested to see what that showed up. Um, because it actually might have been inflammation. It could have been an increased sodium. It could have been she had a lot more carbs that month, um, so she was holding on to more water. As you know, when you're having more carbohydrate, you hold on to water because that's where water is stored in your body. Um, so that's something that we're talking about. And again, when we're talking about water stored in the body, that's something with ketogenic diets everyone experiences in the first two weeks of that big weight drop. That's your water dumping out because you're no longer storing glucose. So chill on the the two-week diet loss or weight loss with ketogenic diets, guys, because that really isn't exactly what you're after. Look it up on any of the basic uh, research and clinical trials. You'll find that low-carb, high-fat and high-carb, low-fat Diets are actually very similar when it comes to weight loss as long as protein and calories are controlled. Um, So if all of those diets are good and bad, um, what is the best diet? And this is one where I think that the answer actually is pretty fucking easy. Like I think one thing I usually say to a lot of people um, when it comes to nutrition is that you know, nutrition is not this complicated thing. It's actually very, very simple, but it's not easy. So remember that. Nutrition is very simple, but not easy. So what I mean by that is the best diet, it's kind of a trick question. The best diet is the one that you can follow. Um, the best diet is the one that simply you have zero issues following on your worst day possible. So the example I say to people is like, you know, on your worst day when your your dad just died like you have exams everything is going on you can still follow that diet that's the diet you need to stay on so if that means that you know if if you're someone that follows a ketogenic diet and it's very easy for you stay on that diet if it means that you're eating low carb high fat stay on that diet 
If it means you're eating high carb, low fat, stay on that diet. Whatever it means for you that you're going to be able to follow it, that's the diet that needs to work for you because adherence is by far the most important thing. We can talk about macronutrients, micronutrients, meal timing, supplements, all this kind of shit, but it does not make a difference if you can't follow the diet. Same thing goes with programming in the gym. If you can't follow that program in the gym, it's not the best programming in the world. The best plan is the one that's followed, okay? So when we do that, guys, if you're working with me, when we set up a diet together, we talk about a couple of different things. First off, my almost my first question is going to be, what are your goals? So guys, when you're working with me, we have three different types of goals. We have performance, aesthetics, and health. And these are coming from basically from Jason uh, Phillips, who developed the triangle of awareness is what he calls it. So basically at one end of the on the triangle, you have performance. And performance is how you are basically performing in the gym or performing within your sport. So if you're a CrossFit athlete, you know, who's who's chasing performance, you want to do the best you can at your competition, your CrossFit open, your workouts, you want to do you want to have the top time on the whiteboard every day. That's what you want. Okay, and maybe you only want that for four months of the year, but that's okay. Basically, what the nutrition protocol for that means is we have to fuel you more with carbohydrates, as we talked about earlier. Now, if we're transferring to aesthetics, so looking and feeling good naked, um, that often is a goal for a lot of people. That is the one where we're talking about, you know, now we have a little bit more of a balanced diet. We, we aren't so concerned about performing good and people who are, you know, really going for their aesthetics, we need to be aware of that. Sometimes that means going into a caloric deficit, okay? Caloric deficits will produce abs, they will not produce performance, okay? So what I I need to say that again, caloric deficits will produce abs, they will not produce performance, okay? So if you're in a caloric deficit in the CrossFit Open or any other CrossFit performance or you're even in your middle of your hockey season or whatever sport you're playing, you're doing it fucking wrong, okay? You need to go back and achieve what you're trying to do with your nutritional plan, okay? If you're if you're focusing on aesthetics, that's what you want to focus on. You want to look good and that's it, okay? It does not mean you perform good in every single workout. It does not mean you get to crush everyone else up on the whiteboard. That might be a byproduct of what ends up happening. You might look good and just happen to perform better than the people in your class or in your gym because you're a stud athlete, but that can't be your goal. Okay, we're going to talk about this in a lot longer of a post and possibly a podcast with a guest in the future. But guys, that is something you need to focus on. And the last one in that triangle of awareness, guys, is health too. So health is on, again, a different part of that triangle. Health and performance, so health and competing are not the same fucking thing. You saying that you want to be the best athlete ever is not saying the same thing as I am going to be very healthy. If you think Matt Fraser or Rich Froning are the paragons of health, you're wrong. They're not. They might be healthy people, but what they're doing every single day, day in, day out, has a time loan on that. They're not going to be able to do that for the rest of their lives, period. Okay? So having those three things in mind, they all have different nutritional protocols for it. 
The other question we always ask, or I always ask when we're working together, what period of the season are you in? So are you in season? Are you preparing for the preseason? Are you gearing up for the CrossFit Open that comes in, at the end of February? Those are important questions. So right now, if, if it's just a CrossFit athlete, we're gearing up, we're adding more carbohydrates so they can get prepared for the Open. If it's after the Open in April, we need to initiate a recovery protocol, which means increasing fats, downing carbohydrates so we can create a little bit more uh, insulin sensitivity again, and prioritizing different things at different points of the year. Okay, That stuff is super important. Injuries also makes it another question that I always ask about guys because if you're injured, um, that can change different things about what that best diet is for you. And then lastly, guys, it's like, what do you enjoy? I always like to ask new clients, like, what is your one non-negotiable? What's the one thing if I took out of your diet, you'd say, fuck you, you're fired. I'm no longer working with you. This is super important, guys. Think about what that non-negotiable is for you. I have a client, or I still have a client, I should say, um, and she she kind of got on a call with me after we just started working together, and she was talking to me about, you know, she was almost apologizing because her and her husband went out for um, dinner around their anniversary, or it was one of their birthdays. Uh, I think it was their anniversary, and she kind of ate what she considered would be not good food. And I was like, fuck, like, who am I to tell you you can't eat what you want on your anniversary, right? Like, those things happen once a year. Birthdays happen once a year. Christmas dinners happen once a year. Experience them, guys. Enjoy them. That's part of what food is. Food is not just fuel. It's also an experience with the people we love and the people that we have around us all the time, okay? So don't just cut out all foods in hopes of, like, being this robot who just puts fuel in their body and then performs and then has abs or whatever it happens to be guys food is also an experience that you need to enjoy so when we're when we're talking about like what's your non-negotiable some people it might be i need to go out with my wife and have a glass of wine and not check dinner or not record dinner once a week okay then let's let's find a way to make that work um for me it used to be like i need to have a need is a is a very loosely term here um i want or i need to have like a pint of ice cream a week okay then let's figure out a way to get that in so that my micronutrients are built around that so that i'm actually able to enjoy that food enjoy that experience with other people or whatever it happens to be um without like sidetracking or um hamstringing any of my goals that way it is doable guys so that's when i say like having the food you like to eat and also having the body in performance you want to have are doable we just need to work together on what that actually means okay guys so that's everything that i could think of today when we're talking about what the best diet is it's not the perfect example about what that might mean um but it's definitely a starting off point for a conversation that we can have together so guys Leave me a comment or a review on what you thought of this podcast, what you thought of any diets, and any questions that you might have about particular diets that I had in here or diets that I didn't even have in here and that I might have left out. That's it for me, guys. Uh, peace out and have a great month of December as we continue in our weeks leading up to the best time of year, Christmas. Take care.